Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to today's edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Sorianis. I'm your host. I'm a third Don Black Belt, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. Today, we will be talking about the rise of anti-Asian bias in the pandemic COVID-19 era. While I try to keep the show and the show's themes positive, I always think that it's important to discuss relevant issues, issues that have particular relevance to our Taekwondo community, our Taekwondo family, and I hope to cover this in a way that's informative, that is non-political, non-judgmental, and just gives us a good perspective on things that are going on and things that we can look out for in our Taekwondo community and our Taekwondo family. On this and on other issues, I would love to hear your feedback, love to hear your stories and experiences, and I'd love for us to be a great forum for sharing positive stories and stories of empowerment and kindness. Please be sure to like and subscribe us in all the podcast platforms. If you write a review in Apple Podcasts, that would be particularly helpful to us. And check out our numerous video versions of our episodes on our YouTube channel, Taekwondo Life Magazine. Thank you. For those of you that are familiar with our show, and particularly those that have been listening throughout the pandemic, you know that we have been covering and speaking to a variety of taekwondoists, martial artists, stunt people, movie actors on how it is that they have been coping with life and their training regimen throughout these difficult times. We even had a show which met with terrific feedback in which we talked to Dr. Paul Ledesma, who is a martial artist, but also a doctor who is involved with a company that has a COVID-19 misting system for the Dojang, a portable misting system uh, designed to do a virus remediation to be able to assist Dojang owners with early and sensible reopening. But there's been other things that have gone on as a result of the global pandemic. In addition to the difficulties and the difficult times and the loss of life and the complete change of our finances and our social structures, there has been, unfortunately, the reemergence or perhaps just simply more light focused on the issue of anti-Asian bias, not just here in the United States, but throughout the world. Now, to some degree, that anti-Asian bias could be argued to be the result of the global pandemic or its coverage, or maybe others might argue that it simply has been amplified or come to light more as a result of these things. My goal is to talk about this as a learning experience, to share some stories and experiences in a non-political way. The goal of this program is never to be or to talk about or to cover politics per se. We interviewed Assemblyman Ron Kim from New York, not because of his role in politics, 
or his political positions, but because he happened to have been a Korean-American person of prominence in, in New York. Similarly, when we talk about this issue, we're not going to take a, or I'm not going to take a political position. Queens Congresswoman Grace Meng, who happens to be a Democrat from New York, a national representative, sponsored a bill in the House of Representatives calling for a condemnation of anti-Asian bias and anti-Asian hate crimes, which have come to light since the pandemic. Not only did Congresswoman Meng's bill meet resistance in the House of Representatives, what's more troubling is what's come to light is the vicious, horrible, racist attacks on her and her office since news agencies published her resolution. People calling her office and leaving. Of course, you know, all of these keyboard and anonymous warriors calling from block numbers, calling from ghost numbers. Um, technology gives us the ability to unfortunately hide in these times, but leaving racist voicemails, um, talking about Kung flu, the Karate Kid virus, the China virus, saying really hateful things, which I, I wouldn't be completely unwilling to repeat in this forum. But the sad thing is that that is not the exception during this time, or it is not an isolated incident. That's what I should say. It is not an isolated incident in this time. It is something that has really come to light. In May of this year, the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres was quoted as saying, the pandemic continues to unleash a tsunami of hate and xenophobia, scapegoating and scaremongering. Uh, he urged the governments of the world to act now to strengthen the immunity of our societies against the virus of hate. And I think that's very, very well said. And again, I want to be very clear. Uh, as much as we have a global medical pandemic, this anti-Asian uh, hate and anti-Asian bias is not something that's limited to the U.S., you know, for those of us that have a great love for the U.S. as the land of the free and the land of diversity, we would hope we would be above this. We're certainly not, but we're also certainly not the only place where this has occurred. This really is a global pandemic. Now, again, without getting too much into the scientific aspects of it, we do understand that the COVID-19 crisis arose from a virus that appears to have begun in Wuhan, China. That doesn't make it a Chinese virus. It doesn't make it the responsibility or the fault of the Chinese people. Chinese people are just as susceptible to getting the coronavirus as Greek people like myself, Korean people, Italian people. For those of us in New York, one of the great misconceptions that came to light was it was believed that New York's exposure to the pandemic came from the Far East. It came from China. That wasn't true. All indications now are that for those of us in New York, the initial exposure to the coronavirus came from Italy's exposure. It came from European exposure. The West Coast perhaps is a little bit different, but no one in the world has been immune to the coronavirus. And a virus is not something that in and of itself 
right? It's it's we're 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 anthropomorphizing it. It's not a person. It doesn't have a a, a gender. It doesn't have a a nationality. It doesn't have a religion. It doesn't have a race. It simply is a disease, and we are all equally susceptible to it. It has brought to light numbers of issues of people's hate and people's racism, but also people's ignorance. It's truly amazing to me to listen to people talking about the quote-unquote Chinese virus and talking about Asian Americans and people in the Asian community and to see something that I think I've known for quite some time but that really has come to light is how people not only have a, an ignorance of the geography of the Far East, but have a complete inability to understand the distinction between Korean people, Chinese people, Japanese people, Vietnamese people, Indonesian people. And I, I think my point is clear without naming all of the countries of, of Asia. As I read reports from all the national agencies, human rights agencies, um, national agencies, the United Nations, things in the United States, it's very, very clear that, as I said, this is not limited to a problem that has just occurred in, in the United States. And people of Asian descent or people that appear to be of Asian descent, and we're talking about people that are, are far east, right? Because when we talk about Asians, we could be talking about Russian people. Um, however, because Russian people are are physically dissimilar to most Korean people or Chinese people, they perhaps have been insulated from this anti-Asian bias. I see in UK, in Africa, across the Middle East, unbelievable incidents of hate and violence uh, that have been that Asian people have been subjected to as a result of the global pandemic. People's anger and frustration over their economic situations, over their schooling situations, over their medical situations, have manifested themselves in what often happens, which is people looking to scapegoat. That's why I thought the UN Secretary General's comments were so uh, pointed, is that there comes the need for people to find an enemy, to find someone to blame. And it's very hard, right, from the standpoint of us intellectually to be able to blame a virus, right? I mean, it's, 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 we don't fully understand as, as individuals the way that it spreads. And, you know, it spreads without um, any type of uh, discrimination. And as a result, people find a desire to manifest their anger, their frustration, uh, their poverty, and they do it in a way that reaches out and hurts other people. You know, it's it, it. We saw a little precursor of this. Many many people outside of New York may not be aware of this, but you know, um, earlier in the year and at the end of last year, uh, we saw for the first time ever uh, an increase in the rise of the measles, and there was a great push from governments to make sure that people were vaccinated, and many members of the ultra orthodox Jewish community in New York had previously been, although the law has now changed, unvaccinated. They didn't take the vaccination for religious reasons against the measles. And as a result, there was a rise in the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community of incidents of the measles. And while on some levels there wasn't a, a need to legislate, on other levels there was a need to educate 
for some, their fear of the increase of the potential of the global increase of the measles led to anti-Semitic violence, anti-Semitic hatred. Now, does that mean that that anti-Semitic hatred didn't otherwise exist there? No, it probably did. But it became the ability from a causal standpoint for people to be able to say, oh, well, we're going to attack this community now because now perhaps in their mind it's justified that um, we're not simply hateful people. We're attacking the Jewish community because we disagree with their position on taking the measles vaccine. Very, very sad uh, and very veiled attempt to justify bad behavior. Very, very similar, and we saw it ultra-magnified in the area of the coronavirus. In looking at an article from USA Today, I see an incident in California of a Chinese-American man screamed at simply while mowing his lawn, told to get out of America. Uh, In Santa Clara County, a Vietnamese couple threatened in a grocery store, told to, to leave for fear that they would expose people to the coronavirus, as if Vietnamese people living in the United States have some greater likelihood that they could spread the coronavirus than anyone else. In New York City, a rise in, in, in anti-Asian crimes, Asian people being assaulted, kicked, pushed, and accosted on the subway tr- train. And this author, Christine Phillips, clearly unequivocally says, why is this? The reason is people foolishly believe that the virus is the fault of Chinese people. Even during this time when I've seen tons of conspiracy videos and theories about um, the Chinese government, even if people were to accept that, and, and the point of this program is not to even comment on that other than even if someone were to argue that the Chinese government was somehow responsible for the release of the virus, that has nothing to do with the Chinese people. It certainly has nothing to do with Asian American people. It has nothing to do with people living in the United States, and it is certainly no excuse for this hateful, anti-Asian behavior. You know, in the, why is this program relevant? Why does this, how does this program have relevance to us? Why are we, we talking? Well, we're talking about it because, in my opinion, certainly, it's an important issue. It's an important social issue. But there are a lot of important social issues that we don't talk about on this program. But certainly, I think, This program is a good forum to talk about it because of the fact that our love, our passion is the martial arts. The martial arts comes from largely Asia. Certainly those of us that study Taekwondo anywhere in the world, when you walk into a Taekwondo dojang, you know that the origins of Taekwondo are in Korea. And what are the benefits of studying the martial arts, karate, kung fu, Taekwondo, is that you not only become exposed in the traditional arts to the technique, but you get exposed to the culture. You get exposed to the language, right? For my children, they've had the opportunity to learn a little bit of the Korean language, to be exposed to Korean cuisine, to meet a greater density of Korean American and Korean immigrants than they might have otherwise met but not for Taekwondo, to be exposed to some of the traditional Korean garb and at Korean cultural festivals like the New York Open Taekwondo Championships and Korean cultural festivals to experience Korean 
music and Korean dance. And when we get this level of exposure, what we come to understand very much like we talk about in the martial arts is that as human beings, as martial artists, as people, that there's more things that unite us than divide us. For me, I have come in my time of studying Taekwondo to become a great lover of all things Korean, particularly the cuisine. But I have come to love Korean-American men and women as my brothers and sisters. My grandmaster is like a second father to me. The world needs this level of exposure. The world needs this level of interrelatedness so that we can understand how hateful and ridiculous and dramatically evil, attacking, vilifying, saying hurtful things to people as a result of their race and their culture. It's almost ridiculous that in this program that I would have to say, we do understand that the COVID-19 is a virus. It is not a Chinese virus. It is not an Asian virus. And it has nothing to do with those individuals. So for those of us in the community, we need to stand up for our Asian family and for all Asian people. Taekwondo stands for a love and respect for our brothers and sisters of all cultures, right? When you're in the Dojang, one of the things we always talk about in this program, we talked about it when we did our tribute to Grandmaster Jun Ri. We talked about the fact that he had a Dojang in the time of the civil rights era, and he had a young African-American student who believed he couldn't walk through the front door of his dojang because of his, his race, and Grandmaster Jun Ri made it very clear, in this school, in this dojang, everyone walks through the front door. And that's what our Taekwondo, that's what our martial arts represents. It represents that when we are together in and outside of the dojang, we are judged by one thing and one thing only, our effort, and of course, by our respect for one another. Taekwondo is practiced in 192 countries. It's an Olympic sport. It's a martial art. It transcends cultural, religious, ethnic, and gender boundaries. It's my call to the Taekwondo community to stand together against this hate, against this anti-Asian bias, against this dramatic evil. We should all call on our legislators to dramatically enforce hate crimes, but more importantly, we should look out for the people in our community, young and old, rich and poor, weak and strong, and stand together. Taekwondo is not just a martial art. It can be a force for good, it can be a force for making the world a better place. In my conversation earlier with Grandmaster Sung Si Kim, he talked about the fact that 3% of the world practices the martial arts, and we understand those benefits. And how great would it be if 10% of the world practiced the martial arts? I'm with him on that, but I'll go a little bit further and say, even if 10% of the world doesn't practice the martial arts, we as the 3% can make our voice known and heard and stand up for what's right. And again, this isn't a political statement. It's a human statement. If you think that being standing up against anti-Asian bias is political, 
then I think you need to rethink your thought processes. We are men and women of the world. We're brothers and sisters, and we need to stand up for what's right. I'm calling on all of my brothers and sisters in the Taekwondo community to do this. I know we can. We'll get through this pandemic, and we'll get past it. And I say thank you to men like Kung Lee, who's been on this program, and Daniel Wu from Enter the Badlands. They have done a terrific job, although somewhat brutally, by depicting and identifying videos of anti-Asian bias. And I should have mentioned them earlier, but I wanted to thank them because they did a lot to bring to my attention some of the terrible and horrible things that have been going on in this country. And they've been spreading the word, and I thank them for that, and I stand with them. I stand beside them in a call to use our martial arts to make this a better world. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you back in the Dojang. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.